You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Welcome to Say What? That's how this episode's starting. That will be a sound bite on CNN in 15 years if I ever run for anything else. So I think we're just, uh, this is easier. Let's red tape. Yeah. Make a difference. It only goes up from here, y'all. Talk about things that matter. And again, that's the whole purpose of Say What is stories to inspire, heal, and unite. Welcome to Say What on the PFC Entertainment Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Say What. This is uh, our, our, well, this is going to actually end up being our third episode, um, but this is our first episode with um, video in addition to audio. So if you're like me, I like to watch podcasts because I just like that. And uh, if you just want to listen in, that's going to be available too. But we are so excited. um, And uh, our producer and owner of the PFC Entertainment Network is here with us, Jason Klaus, uh, pushing all the buttons, making the magic happen today. And um, I have, if you are new to the show, I'm Kristen Watt, and uh, hence the name Say What. And uh, we are here to talk about stories that inspire, heal, and unite. And today's episode is really going to be focused on women leading the way. Um, For those of you who might not live here in Michigan, but be tuning in around the country, um, we live in uh, North Oakland County here in Michigan, in Southeast Michigan to be exact. And I have with me today two really cool and wonderful, compelling guests who are friends of mine, um, but they're also just happen to be women leading the way. Um, And I am so excited for you to hear a little to meet them, hear a little bit about what they, um, their backstories, and they both have very unique and different stories that led them to their current efforts and work that they're doing in their communities and business um, environments. And uh, they just both so happen to be my friends, and that's really exciting to me. So I like to surround myself with good people. And um, if you live here in Southeast Michigan, uh, these are names you may have heard of, and if not, you need to know because. Um, they are really making uh, very concerted and poignant efforts in their communities and to make positive change, not only for themselves and their families, but also for people they don't even know, citizens that live in their in their districts. Um, I do have with me today my friend, Shadia Martini, who is um, running for State House. Shadia, will you remind me, because I do not want to misquote what district you're running in? The 54th. Okay, would you tell our listeners um, what communities that includes? So the 54th includes uh, most of Bloomfield Township, all of Bloomfield Hills, uh, half of Auburn Hills, all of Lake Orion, Orion Township, and two precincts from Oakland Township. 
so you know just a little bit of area to uh to have to uh, canvas and and run all over the place. Um, I know you stay busy. And then my dear friend, Emily Bush is with us today and you, so we'll get to the backstory in a minute of how I, I met you both and, and, and your backstories, but I met you, you were running for state house. Um, now you are running for Congress. Um, so I am, and that just makes my heart happy. So, because uh, I know you, I know your why, and I know why you do what you do. So can you tell us and for our listeners, what district you're running in for Congress uh, in the primary and what in what areas that includes? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Emily Bush. And as Kristen said, I'm running for Congress in Michigan's 10th Congressional District, which is um, a relatively big chunk of um, the Detroit metropolitan area. Um, it is a district that crosses from Rochester and Rochester Hills over into Macomb County, um, covering Shelby Township, Clinton Township, Mount Clemens, Sterling Heights, Warren, um, East Point, Fraser, St. Clair Shores, all the way over to Lake St. Clair. Um, it's about 750,000 people. Um, and um, yeah, I'm happy to um, throw my name in the race for um, a very competitive and winnable district. That is wonderful. And uh, sounds like you need a lot of signs. That's a huge <laughs> area. <laughs> I guess I'll be hosting a fundraiser for you soon. Ooh. That's what we'll be doing. And you too, Shadia. Um, so now, for those of you who tuned into our first uh, couple episodes, um, obviously, uh, I think this is actually a pretty interesting concept. Um, I'm new to podcasting. Thanks, Jason, for uh, making me get out of my bubble and my comfort zone, which we talked about the importance of getting out of your bubble in episode two. Um, but you know what? I've been getting out of my bubble my whole life. That's what I do. It's just these weird, interesting opportunities cross my paths. And I think that's the difference between um, doesn't make people better than the other, but I do think that um, people who are eyes wide open have opportunities fall in their lap and they see the need and they are fearless in their ability to try new things. And I, I couldn't have put that in a nutshell better as to what we are going to talk about today with these two incredible women who have independently really meaningful stories um, in their personal lives and then got out of their bubble to be, <laughs> uh, for those listening that don't know, I ran for county commissioner uh, last um, election cycle. I had never done that before in my life. And that was eye-opening. And that was just on a county level. I don't, I can't even conceive the vulnerability that you have to, you know, be in this in this climate in our world right now to expose yourself your loved ones your family it's a huge sacrifice for everyone around you to try to run for an office to make lasting and meaningful change for um citizens you know and so first of all i just want to thank both of you for for doing that before and not being uh beaten down broken and jaded and willing to get back up and do it again because um, I didn't, not because I'm weak. I just found other things to do, like podcasting. So you know, it's just a matter of time, Chris. Yeah, I know. Everybody <laughs> says that. that. It's it doesn't. Timing is everything, as we all know. So anyway, um, I I'm really excited to to have you both here to talk about your stories, though, because long before and long after anything, um, as far as any type of office you have, will or in the future hold, you are both incredible people um 
just as you are. And so that is actually why I asked you to, um, to be on here with me today. And I appreciate it because I'm not a uh, major news outlet. I am not, um, I'm not going to get you 800,000 people hearing this podcast, but I've been there for you guys and y'all have been there for me. And that's the type of North Oakland family we have. And um, honestly, if this podcast inspires, your stories inspire any other, any person really, but particularly women, because we all know I'm, you know, we're all about strong, empowered moms and women's, uh, women's, women's. We'll edit that out, Jason. Women leading the way. Um, anyway, um, then then who knows? Like who knows who hears this and and does something, gets out of their bubble and does something impossible in their head and makes change for other people, you know? So that's kind of my goal with this show. And um, I'm going to start with you, Shadia. We're just going to get right into it because um, so you were born in Aleppo, Syria, And moved here to Michigan in 92? End of 92, yes. End of 92. So just that alone is its own story, you know, and um, I'd like to hear a little bit about, or for our listeners too, like about your background. Um, I know that your mom was like one of the first or only female oral surgeons in Syria. Like that's, that's kind of a big deal. We take that for granted here, I think, you know, in America. I'm very Um, lucky. Yes, I had this trailblazer of a mom. Yes. Yeah, who encouraged you to go to university and 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 yeah. and really set the tone for being on this amazing podcast today. So <laughs> so would you share with us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got here and then you know your professional life and then also what how that led you to running for an office? So as you said, I was born and raised in Aleppo, Syria, but when I was uh, less than two years old, both my parents were doctors and they uh, moved us to Spain. So I I lived from two years to seven years old in Barcelona, Spain, and then went back to Syria. We, I, you know, I went to school, I studied architectural engineering, uh, taught at the university for four years, and then I received a scholarship from the Austrian government and went to Vienna um, I did research at the University of Economics, which is called Wirtschaftsuniversität in Vienna. And from there, I came here to the United States, end of 92. Went back to school, uh, got my MBA from University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And uh, yeah, go blue. <laughs> Emily will beg to differ later, but sorry. <laughs> we bleed blue. My Both my children, my nieces were all U of M grads. So, uh, and then I went uh, headfirst into construction. So I own a construction company and I'm a real estate broker. So in 1997, I started doing construction and real estate. And again, when I started in construction in 97, I used to go to pull a permit and in the cities, I would be asked if I were the builder's daughter, the builder's wife, the homeowner, but never the builder. So there were very few women in construction mm-hmm. in this country, and it was kind of interesting. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I just, um, I need to give you a little bit of a background in terms of Syria as a country. Please do. Thank so you. I'm sure many of, of the uh, our listeners read George Orwell's 1984. 
that book really talks about my life in Syria. George Orwell, a Brit who wrote a book in, I think it was 1949, was describing how I lived in Syria. Uh, autocracy at its best. Um, and, you know, in that country, there was, most books were banned. Organizing was banned. Assembly was banned. Um, you know, of course, free speech, it's, you know, it goes without saying. Right. Um, so I grew up in that environment where we were scared of one another because we, we always said walls have ears. So you would be sitting with friends. And if you're going to say anything about the regime, you would be whispering. And you're whispering and you're still scared because somebody is going to tell on you and then you would disappear. And every family in Syria knows someone or has a relative who disappeared, never to be heard from again. So you leave these countries, these oppressive autocratic countries, but the fear never leaves you. It's so I think it's, it's, it's hard to believe, you know, I, I took everything as normal until mm -hmm. my son started talking to me about this stuff and I would tell him stories and he would look at me and say, mom, this is not normal. How can you think that this is normal? It's not normal. And now I go back and think about my life and what I have witnessed and think, oh my God, this is crazy. If only my people here heard this, mm -hmm. if only they would understood how dangerous it is to allow someone, and you know, we're not going to talk politics, or we're going to talk politics. I mean, we can. Yeah. Like, I, we can. Uh, my to listeners allow, will know my show is not typically yeah. political, but this absolutely, this is a human rights issue, in my opinion. Yeah. Call it political if you want, but go for it. <laughs> you know, lis listening to Trump talk was so scary to me because I've heard this before. Mm -hmm. It's uh, gaslighting people. It's uh, lying to people, it's convincing people of things that never happened, like, you know, stop the steal and stuff like that. Uh, it's very dangerous. And most people in this country think that democracy is, is messy. And how come we have to, uh, you know, every time we were trying to pass a law, it takes forever. This is so annoying. And, you know, when you think what you, what you believe in is right, Mm -hmm. it's just it doesn't make any sense to you that you have to wait this long and talk to so many people and debate things but believe me the grass is not greener on the other side it's not even green so let's embrace democracy it's the best system out there and live with all its hurdles because the other side is as dark as it comes well, and just the fact that you, um, you know, and it's interesting because we do watch, you know, some of us, depending on where you get your news or, you know, your your world information, I, I look at, you know, at Ukraine and I, and I think about that and I think about um, families I know who are Ukrainian living here in Michigan and then watching, you know, as 
different, of course, uh, political figures are traveling over there now and, um, and you know, meeting with Zelensky and, and, and looking at the atrocities, the, the, the literal genocide, if you will, or the attempted genocide of the Ukrainian people. And we see that, and I think we're so numb to it because news is so sensationalized now and it's for entertainment, it's 24 seven. And it's like, we've lost our ability to, um, it's hard to empathize if you've not experienced this type of trauma, which it is, what you grew up in and living in that type of abusive, it's abuse, it's an abusive environment. Um, it's very, that was your lived experience. And if I've not had that, it's hard for me to truly understand it. But at the same time, we watch movies, we see news, but I feel like we're like numb to just, oh yeah, 20,000 more people died today. It's just like, yeah, people die. Like there's this apathy, you know, yeah. to it because it's our normal. And so I think hearing, it's one of the reasons why I just, your story, the first time I ever heard you speak resonated with me is because I like real people who've been through real things and things I don't understand because I want to seek to understand and, and every person you talk to has a story and we have so, we're a beautiful, beautiful country full of so many people from so many places and yet so divided in a way that if we just sat down and had conversations like this and you're hearing, you're a person mm -hmm. who has lived through this and God only knows what your parents and other relatives have lived through, you know, long before you and, and since mm -hmm. it's um, how blessed we are as, as warped and um, what's the word I want to look for here? Um, dysfunctional as our family of Amer of American society is um, it, it, it really takes you home to be thankful that we actually have the right to argue <laughs> about Very politics because you can't even argue about it. In other Very countries. grateful to be in this country. You have no idea how grateful I am to be in this country. And it's, you know, I want to tell people that don't ignore the little things that you think are little. Don't ignore them. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. Banning books. Where I grew up, most books were banned. We even got some books with pages taken out. So you would be reading your page 30 and then 31, 32, 33 is, is gone. Wow. Because there is one sentence sometimes one word that didn't you know adhere to to what the the dear leader wanted us to mm -hmm. know about so and you know the story that i tell everybody is i was 13 years old um there was an uprising in syria in the late 70s early 80s i lived that one and i was not the city of Aleppo is a very large city. It's like four or five million people. The regime actually surrounded the entire city, enforced the curfew, and searched every single apartment and house in that city three times. I was in my bed sleeping, 13 years old. I woke up. There was a young guy standing next to my bed. So I had my desk next to my bed and it had a credenza with my books on top. And I still remember what I was wearing. It was so traumatic. I was so scared. 
it took a second for my father to see that I woke up and to tell me, calm down, I'm here, don't worry about it, everything's fine. But what was that guy doing? And he had, he was in, you know, military fatigue and holding a Kalashnikov on his side, which is like an AK-47, the Russian one. Mm-hmm. He was actually sifting through my books, looking for banned books. This is how dangerous books are to autocrats, to yeah. dictators. So what are we doing here in this country banning books? And where do you draw the line? You know, you say, oh, my kids can't see this and my kids can't see that. So where do you draw the line? Right. Where do you stop wanting your kids to know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's very dangerous. It's a slippery slope. Well, and I can tell you, um, I have not, sp- again, this is my third episode, so we haven't even gotten into uh, the deep dive of my life story. And I think just little nuggets will get dropped along through the episodes. But, you know, I am an elected official on our library board in my community. So I am very privy to um, uh, who knew, who knew that the library board was going to be controversial, <laughs> But here we are, you know, so, um, you know, just the right to, um, you don't have to like everything you see and everything you read and, you know, know, we have boundaries that age appropriateness, things like that, that belongs in families and homes that should not be mandated by government institutions, you know, personal freedom to be able to do that. And again, like that's as American as apple pie, like personal freedom. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, I'm sorry that that was your, that's traumatic. That's traumatic for anyone, you know, to have anyone in your home, but I'm glad that you lived through it. I'm glad that you rose above it. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're in Michigan. Raising your beautiful me. family. And, I'm, the, I'm the most glad I'm here. Believe me. Well, I'm and before, after I lived, I left the country is even a lot worse than I experienced. So I know. No well, can you, can you share, could you share a little bit about from that experience? Obviously, you know, you came here to Michigan, you have a family, you have a son. I've met him. He's a wonderful young man. Um, what, how, I know that you have been um, also a longtime advocate for Syrian immigrants and refugees that have come here to Michigan. Um, I, I don't remember the formal, you know, title or the organizations you were working with, but from there, Obviously, you built your own life and then you went to help other people um, who have come here too. How did you get from, it seems like a logical next step, but like, what was your, your why? How did you go from all of this to deciding to run for the United States um, House of, or the, I'm sorry, the Michigan House of Representatives in 2022? Yeah. So as I explained, you know, when you leave these countries like Syria, the fear never leaves you. So just like any other Syrian, I came to this country and, you know, politics is completely out of the question. It's something we're scared of. We don't talk about. Uh, Voting in Syria was going to uh, the polling station and they would present you with with a piece of paper with their leader's picture in the center and a yes or a no. The choice was a yes or no. And then you had Four goons from the you know Secret Service looking over your shoulder to make sure you're checking the yes. If you checked the no, you would disappear. So that was what voting was was all about for me. So 
coming to this country and you know still having that fear my family was still there i never even thought about politics but then in 2011 a revolution started in syria i was mm-hmm. watching on youtube young men and women on the streets of cities and towns all over the country calling for freedom it was shocking to me i never thought i mean i saw what happened you know the arab spring i saw what happened happened in tunisia in libya in in egypt but i never thought that it would happen in syria it was the most oppressive and still is the most oppressive arab country And when I saw that, I was completely shocked, but I I also faced the dilemma of what am I going to do? I'm sitting here in a free country with the ability to speak up and and do whatever pretty much I want. And I'm sitting here not doing anything because I'm scared, because I knew if I said anything, I would never be able to see my parents again. I would never be able to go there. I would subject my family to danger. But I just could not sit still and do nothing. It was the moral thing to do. So I organized with other Syrians and we started advocating for human rights for the Syrian people. Of course, I paid the price. I mean, I, I'm on a blacklist. I can't go to Syria anymore. Uh, Last time I saw my parents was in 2009. I lost my mother in 2019. I lost my father in 2022. I couldn't see either of them. I couldn't be with them in their old days to help them out. I remember seeing your post when your dad passed this last year. It was very very difficult for me, but I don't, I know... Other people lost their children, they lost their houses, they lost everything they owned, they lost their families. I always, I'm embarrassed to say that I, you know, what I lost is I didn't see my parents, my, I have property in Syria that's confiscated. I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I was affected because I see the other people and what they went through. So... At that stage, I started working and I started working hard and uh, we Syrians never knew how to organize because we were not allowed. allowed. We were not allowed. I have a group of friends when I lived in Syria that organized and went out on the streets to clean the street out of civic duty. What happened to them? They were rounded up and thrown in jail. That's the environment we were in. So it took us a while to be able to organize and to be able to be effective. Mm-hmm. So through all these, throughout all these years, we were meeting with congressmen and women, with senators from both sides of the aisle. So mm-hmm. I have contributed to Democrats and I've contributed to Republicans. And we just met with them and explained to them what happened and uh, begged them to help the Syrian people and talked about human rights. And, you know, there was uh, the Syrian people were hit with chemical weapons there. In one night, we lost 1,500 people in the suburbs of Damascus, mostly children. So 
and after all these years of working and then the refugees started to come and I volunteered to help refugees, I saw that I can do this. I, I saw that, you know, this is something that I'm capable of. And, you know, I live here. This is my country. I came here and people welcomed me with open arms. And I feel like this, it's time for me to give back. I raised my kids. I have two boys and, you know, they're my youngest just turned 22. So I have, you know, the, the time I don't have kids to worry about. And that's why I stepped up and said, I'm, I'm running for office to, to help my community here in, in Oakland County. I'm just like, I know you and I've heard a lot of that story before, just in our, not the full story, but my, the hair on my arm still stands up. Like every time I hear you speak, because it's true, it's your life. That is your life. Like, and this is, everyone I believe in this world, whether they know it or not, has a story and an experience and a gift, a, a skill set. And we talked, you know, Jason, I think you and I've talked on your Klaus to the Heart show about like, I don't even remember if we talked about it personally or on the show, but like walking in your purpose and your purpose can shift and change. But I feel like when I look around, um, whether that's people running a small business, whether you're advocating for human rights, whether you're host, uh, starting a podcast network, um, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're teaching students in a school, like when you're walking in your purpose, people gravitate to you and, and barriers come down. Cause I know that, and Emily, we're about to get to your story here in a second, but both of you are very, while you are running, both of you are running as Democrats and you are, I know that you both, I've witnessed it, not just know it, but I've literally watched it in, in live action, real time. I have never seen two women walk into a room and talk to anybody, fearless, doesn't matter red, blue, purple, alien, human, it doesn't even matter. Like you're there with a purpose and a focus and it's one that affects everybody. It's not, you know, it's not even a partisan thing. It is literally a human thing. And, and I've watched you both navigate through the abysmal red tape that is the political process, but yet I'd still rather have that process than what Shadia has just explained as the alternative, right? Like how blessed we are to have this dysfunctional family. So, yes. mm -hmm. um, but I've watched you both work with both sides of the aisle on so many issues because half of the issues we deal with aren't even left or right. They're just, we, society's made it this way. Yeah. And so I think that's really, even though, again, my show is not technically political in nature, it's part of who I am. I'm an active advocate in my community. And, you know, I've run for office on and have to pick a side and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, are you, le are you taking your pain and your, and turning it into purpose and it literally saves and affects lives and you don't even get to see the ripple of the seeds you plant because that's not even what you're here for. You're just here to do the work because it needs doing. And I, and that's why you're such a, both of you just inspire me as women, as friends, as mothers, and now as candidates again, you know, so um, I'm excited. If you live in, 
Say those areas again one more time, Shadia. I can't keep up with all the districts. Bloomfield Township, Bloomfield Hills, Lake Orion, Orion Township, Auburn Hills, and uh, two precincts from Oakland Township. Thank you. And your, it's, um, I don't want to butcher your website, isn't it? Is votemartini.com? Yes, votemartini.com. Yes. If you would like to know more, first of all, about Shadia, and if you have friends or family or relatives that live in that, in those areas, um, uh, go website, go listen to her speak somewhere, go meet her. She'll meet anybody. I've seen you knock doors <laughs> and shake hands. Um, make a donation. I can tell you one thing, campaigns aren't free. I can tell you that. That is the one thing I wish we could change in this country is campaign finance, but that's a whole other show and a whole yeah. other ball game. But um, I will say this, um, regardless of, you know, if any person, and really regardless of what side of any aisle you stand on, chooses to run for an office, and that could be something as simple as your library board or your, you know, your city council, all the way up to Senate and Congress, I'm going to tell you, um, I might not agree with your views, but I do have respect for the humanity of people who choose to run for an office because it is not easy, it is exhausting, and it is draining. And you have to navigate through, you know, who do you trust? Who do you not trust? Like, it's a messy game. But I think when you get refined by fire going through that process, like I'm looking at you two now versus when I met you both like a year and a half ago. And you're like, oh, no, like she, Emily's got them glasses on. Like, oh, I'm going to say something like I, I, I've learned some things. Mm -hmm. And um, and you're and you're you were great when you started and you're better today. You know what I mean? Because now you have the why and the want and the know-how, but now you have that, you've been through this once and you learned what you do need to do, what you don't need to do. You learned by talking. I've never seen two people talk to more people, like just going out and just being everywhere and hearing from everybody in your communities, like what they want, what they don't want, and then really trying to work to to give your, your neighbors that, you know? And so I just respect you both so much. I just love you. Thank you. So, okay. So we are going to take a quick break. I want to let you know that again, this episode is brought to you by Matter Over Mind Services in Fenton, Michigan. Stay weird, stay, or was it be weird, stay kind, Jason? Poor Jessica Forshee, who is the owner of Matter Over Mind Services, is going to um, kill me for butchering her catchphrase. S stay weird, be kind. So um, if you would like to add um, some great emotional tools to your toolbox, um, she is a hypnotherapist, life coach, and a Reiki master. And she has a beautiful practice in Fenton, Michigan. That's MatterOverMindServices.com. We will be back in just a few minutes to speak with Emily Bush. Do you have a piece of antique or vintage furniture? Something that may have seen its better days and you want to restore it, you want to bring it back to life? I want to tell you about my friend Andrea Bridges who's doing something very, very cool. She actually is in the business of restoring antique and vintage pieces of furniture. She will take your piece, she will refinish it, she will repaint it, she will restore 
the magic that it was that it could have been something that belonged to your grandparents something that was a favorite piece of your mom and dad something that means something to you and you don't want to send it to just anybody you want to send it to the best you want to send it to first and spring designs located in hadley michigan you can find them over on facebook or you can send andrea an email at andrea grace 2015 at outlook.com andrea grace 2015 at outlook.com explain the situation explain what you would like to have done and see what andrea can do for you yeah you could take it to anybody but you really want to take it to the best for something that means this much to you so one more time look for first and spring designs on facebook they are located in hadley michigan or you can send andrea an email andrea grace 2015 at outlook.com if you have antique or vintage furniture that needs to be brought back to life there's only one place that i would take my articles to and it's where you need to take your stuff to as well Billy again, and I'm here to tell you about all of the cool merchandise that is now available at the official online store of the PFC Entertainment Network. Now, along with all of the individual stores from all of the shows, there is a new section for back-to-school stuff. It's that time of year, and we have to think about getting ready for the next school year. Well, if you are a fan of any of the shows of the PFC Network, there's a whole new section of new merchandise, notebooks and mouse pads and even new apparel with cool new designs to go back to school or to go back to work in. Whether it's Klaus the Heart, Power Tripping Through the 80s, Turnbuckle Time Machine, The Real Podcast, The Heat Vent, and even the new show, Say What? And if you're over there, be sure to check out another new section that is all about the namesake of this network, a whole new legacy merchandise line for the one and only Pure Fury Jeff Bounce. So check it out. Head over to cafepress.com forward slash PFC Network, the official online store of the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. Hey everybody, welcome back to Say What. We are here um, just, uh, it's been a pretty emotional and deep conversation this first uh, first session here with our guest Shadia Martini. Um, and I really thank you for sharing your, your lived experience with us. Um, like I said, the purpose of this show is to share real stories um, that hopefully inspire, heal, and unite. Um, and, and I think you're your lived experience, no doubt it has touched some heartstrings of these listeners and just probably validated why I love and respect you so much. So, and I really appreciate you giving up time. It's a busy time of season right now for you. So I really appreciate you giving your time to this episode. Um, we are back now with my other friend and actually Shadi and I are both friends with Emily. So I, I feel like it's just a family reunion right now. Um, but my dear friend, Emily Bush, um, I'm going to introduce her briefly and then I'm just going to let her go because <laughs> she's, she's got her own story to tell. And for those of you who live, um, 
you know, I do have a lot of friends and family that live up here in, in my area or around Oakland County and Southeast Michigan who will be tuning into this and this will hit your story is going to, to very much hit home because your story begins right here in Oxford in North Oakland County, you know, so, um, but I do want to just introduce the listeners in a way of how, how we met. Um, as I mentioned in the first half, uh, you were running for state house um, in your district and I had ran for county commissioner. And what was interesting is I met you, I'm pretty sure you were in a hoodie and sweatpants um, with an earbud in at a meeting because you were somehow working, running for office and going listening to a school board meeting in Oxford, <laughs> like all at the same time. Um but you and I actually shared district space. So we got to not only know each other, but knock doors together, meet people together, go to events together, and really go through from start to finish this entire um, process of running for office together, which I always kind of say, you know, I don't want to uh, diminish our amazing uh, veterans and people who've served in our armed forces. But there's kind of that saying, like when you've been in the trenches together, like people who've served in in the military together, there's a bond that's created because you've been through something no one else is going through. And I do feel that you and I specifically, and a couple others, you know, that, that kind of went through this process together and also Shadia to some extent because of our, our joined North Oakland kind of club that we all went through together as candidates. It is an experience that is unlike anything else I've ever been through in my life. And I feel like we've been through those trenches together and it's a bond that can't be broken. If I don't see you for 20 years, I'll be like, girl, remember that time in Ortonville? <laughs> like, we're going to remember that. Yeah, we did. Our uh, remember that UW, UAW thing? And, you know, <laughs> right. and like we've been through it. So I feel like we're bonded in a way with others that that's just a very unique and, and precious time of my life. Because even though I didn't win, I gathered and gained so many amazing contacts, networks, and relationships from that experience that are priceless. And they've literally manifested themselves in you two being on a podcast with me. So it's like, um, it's just a really precious time of my life. I will always reflect back on with, um, um, with a lot of joy and stuff. So now that I've gotten mushy on you, um, so you are Emily Bush and I'm just going to let you go. Cause that's what you do. And, um, I know obviously you're running for Congress, you ran for state house, but your story is, is quite a unique one and now very unique to the Oxford community that led you here. So take it away. Well, I just want to say, um, when you say that it is in the trenches, I don't know if you ladies and know this, but did you know that only 2% of Americans ever run for something? I believe it. 2%. <laughs> so we belong to, um an interesting club in that regard so um when you say we're in the trenches i have had people thank me for my service running for something so some people say that this is one of the most patriotic things that you can do in addition to serving our country so thank you shadia thank you Kristen. um we're part of a unique club so yeah. um so let's see um I'll give you my um, quick tagline. I was a working mom sending a kid to Oxford schools um, who thought everything was okay until one day it wasn't. And um, so to take everybody back quickly to the experience, um, 
I was working from home that day. I've been in medical and dental device sales for 25 years, and I was working at home on um, the afternoon of November 30th, 2021. And a good friend of mine um, sent me a text message um, right before one o'clock. I think it was around 1251 or 1252 on November 30th, 2021. And it's uh, the text message that no mom or dad or any parent um, figure ever wants to get, which is, um, have you talked to Andrew? And I texted my friend back and I said, no, why? And she said, um, my daughter just texted me and said that there's an active shooter at the high school. Sorry, guys, this doesn't happen often. Um, so I texted my son immediately and I don't know how I knew to text rather than call because in everyone's um, nightmares, you think about the fact that you don't want your child's son to make or their, your child's phone to make noise. Mm -hmm. So um, I texted my son and I said, hey, what's going on? And I saw if you have an iPhone, I saw the jumpy bubbles going. So I took a quick breath and um, I picked up the phone and I, I called. Um, and I could tell that he was outside. I could tell that he was running and I, and I could hear sirens in the background. And, um, I said, where are you? And he said, we're uh, running to Meyer. And I said, um, what's going on? And he said, um, I don't know. There's lots of fire trucks and, and police cars. He said, maybe it's a fire. Um, and I said, okay, well, um, where are you going? He said, well, we're just going to Meyer. We're supposed to go to Meyer. And, um, I said, well, can I come, can I come get you? And he pulled the phone away from his face and he said, Hey, can my mom come get me? And I heard his teacher in the background say, um, nope, but she can come be with you in the parking lot at Meyer. And he said, well, you can come be with me at the parking lot. I was like, all right. And I grabbed my keys and I got into my car and I backed up out of my driveway and my home is um, like two miles from the Meyer parking lot. So I backed out of my garage and immediately I could hear all of the sirens. Um, and I literally have to go down my street, turn left, turn right, turn left. And it's typically a four minute drive to get to Meyer, and it took me almost 20 minutes. Um, so I got in my car, drove, and um, I called my son again. And he said, well, mom, it's okay. One of my friends can bring me home. And I said, oh no. <laughs> I said, I'll come get you. And I, um, he goes, all right, well, I'll see you in a few minutes. I said, no, you're going to stay on the phone with me until I get to you. Yeah. Um, so I stayed on the phone with him. And I'll never forget the left turn off of Burdick, which is the, you know, one of the two main roads to M24 Lapeer Road. I probably missed four or five cycles of the left turn light because there were so many emergency vehicles. Um, and as I was waiting on the third-ish um, cycle of the light, um, there was a woman in a car next to me. Um, 
and she rolled down her window. So I rolled down my window and she said she had two little kids in the back seat. And she said, have you heard what's going on? And I said, yes. And she said, there's an active shooter at the high school. And at that moment, my son's still on Bluetooth. I smacked my head up or my hand up to my mouth and it hit me at that moment. And I my had a hitch in my breath and I I said, my son's okay, he's okay. And her light turned green and she said, I wish I could hug you. And I said, my kid's okay. So I went up to the Meyer parking lot and um, searched and scanned the parking lot for my son. And I found him and um, he got in my car and um, I had a friend who was trying to get to her daughter. Actually, it was the friend that, that first texted me and she works all the way down in Clinton Township at Henry Ford Macomb. And she could, she was hysterical. She couldn't get to her son fast enough or her daughter fast enough. And I said, Hey, do you want me to go sit with your daughter until you get home? And she said, please. And so my son and I turned the car around and went to her place and, and waited until she got home. So, um, um, that was kind of the start to something that activated me and, um, just for your listeners, and I know you and Shadia know this, um, prior to the shooting at um, Andrews High School, um, I was not politically engaged. Um, I have been, you know, an off and on voter my whole life. And um, after the shooting, I went to my very first school board meeting in Oxford, and um, I went with Michelle McClellan. Mm -hmm. um, and we sat next to each other at the school board meeting. It was December 14th. So it was um, two weeks after the shooting and um, the room was not packed. Four children died and the room was not packed. Um, and I sat there and we were still masking at the time and the school board was on the stage and when it came time for public comment, um, the very first person that went up to talk at the podium did not even talk about the four children that we had lost or the six children that were shot and injured. Um, they talked about masking. And sorry, my brain, I had forgotten how bad that makes my brain explode. <laughs> that, that was that was a whole other yeah. trauma. Right. And so I had to live through. I leaned over to um, Michelle and I said, are we in the twilight zone? We just lost four kids. And public comment after public comment after public comment was paraded in front of the board about masking. And uh, finally, someone got up and um, spoke very eloquently about um, what had happened and the need for um, transparency and the need for answers. And I listened to this man um, speak and I had a notebook with me. 
and I had no idea what I was doing, but he sat down after he had four, he has four children in the district and two kids were in the high school at the time, his two kids. And I wrote a note and I said, hi, my name is Emily Bush. I have um, a freshman at the high school. I have never pulled people together. I don't know what we're doing or what to do. I just know that I need to do something. Here's my cell phone number. And I ripped the page out of my notebook and I folded it up and I passed him a note. And um, that next Saturday, um, so two and a half weeks after the tragedy, I gathered um, about 10 parents in a local coffee shop. And we talked about um, what can be done to keep this from happening again and to keep other parents from having to make the drive that so many of us made on November 30th. Um, so I guess in the business, we call that community organizing. And um, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. All I can tell you is I started Googling, how do you prevent a school shooting? Um, I learned about this um, concept that you all know, social emotional learning that um, creates a safety net um, for all kids, but most importantly, kids that do not have um, those types of supports at home. So um, there's five tenets of social emotional learning. I don't care which side of the aisle you sit on. They're very practical tenants. There's responsible decision making, creating meaningful, re meaningful relationships, social awareness, self-awareness and self-management. And I dove into that and um, discovered that our school district was not utilizing that program the way that it should be used. Um, and decided I was going to run for school board. <laughs> um, I had forgotten and, about that. That was mm -hmm. where it began. <laughs> yep. Yep. Which is a, a you know, in, in today's day and age is a is um, a very, very important speaking about banning books is an yeah. incredibly important uh, role right now in our communities um, because um, there are not only attacks on books, there are attacks on um, the LGBTQIA community. We have um, attacks on teachers, educators, yep. administrators, calling them groomers, indoctrinators, just throwing all kinds of attacks at these people who all they want to do is love on, teach, and care for our children. So these attacks on our educators is egregious and um, it's awful. So I thought, oh, I'll run for school board. And we all know how school boards are being treated right now. Right. So I printed out the affidavit of identity, which um, we all know what that is. Um, and I laid it on a desk in my guest bedroom and time went on and Michelle, who I attended mm -hmm. that very first school board meeting and I were texting <laughs> one night and she said, you know, the entire state just redrew all of its districts and we need someone to run for state representative um, in district 66. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And that was literally the genesis behind running for state representative. Um, so I will say that um, in the first two months of running for state rep, I did not bring up firearms one time. Mm -hmm. Because of where we live, I felt that it was gonna be too divisive. And 
then Buffalo happened. Yep. And, and then Uvalde. Yep. yep. And then Uvalde happened. And uh, I, of course, just like I know exactly what I was doing and where I was when I got the text message from my friend about Andrew's school. I it was Dylan that texted me about Uvalde yeah. and I was in my car driving home from Lansing doing sales calls and I cannot describe to you which I've never really it's probably a few times in my life have I experienced this the visceral sobbing the shoulder shaking as I'm driving down the road on I-69 from Lansing to um, Oxford the thought that we babies. are yeah, we are sacrificing our children for a certain right. Mm -hmm. And the gloves were off at that point for me. Um, so um, I ran, as you know, a very lean campaign in a plus 30 Republican district. I lost by 30 points. Shocking. Mm -hmm. um, I learned how to stump. I learned how to fundraise. I learned how to connect and network. And um, it, I spent many a campaign and candidate forum with Shadia and Kristen. Mm -hmm. um, we found our sea legs, ladies. And um, it's taken me a bit to find my sea legs in this scenario. Um, but I will simply say that after not being sure whether or not I wanted to run for anything else. And Shadia, you were a part of not being sure whether I not wanted to do anything ever again, um, which this we were in the basement of the Clarkston Union. And you mentioned something that I was like, I think I'm going to tap out. And I think it was two weeks later, I was um, approached by an organization that um, endorsed my house race um, on uh, January 26th about this idea of running for Congress. Um, and I'll tell you, I mulled it over for a good three weeks. You and, have to. Yep, you have I'm, to. I did. And I sat down with Representative Slotkin one-on-one -on -one at the Democratic Conference down at what we used to call Cobo Hall. Mm -hmm. um, and she almost talked me out of it. She was being real polite about it. She said, well, have you ever thought about doing paid advocacy for like mom's demand action or, mm -hmm. and she says, you know, fundraising is very difficult. And I said, I had no idea, honestly. And, um, I said, I would consider it. And I don't know if you ladies know this, but, um, uh, one of the consultants that was, um, introduced to me, came to have dinner with me on um, February 13th, a Monday night. And I was sitting at the 24th Street Tavern right up the street from where I live. And I still wasn't sure about anything. I had just met with Rep Slotkin at the convention two days prior. And about two and a half hours into our dinner conversation, um, my phone started going off with active shooter alerts at Michigan State University. And um, I just graduated, as you ladies know, Go Green in December with my I master's. was wondering where that was going to come in, the Go yep. Blue, Go Green. <laughs> and, uh, 
And um, on the third active shooter alert into my MSU email, I realized that there were children, kids, locking down at Michigan State University for the second time in 15 months. And I started to cry in front of this man that I had just met. And I looked across the table at him and I said, I think I have to do this. And he said, I think you do. And I came home. I milled about in my kitchen and talked to my husband. And my son came downstairs because it was late from getting ready for bed. And he saw me and my husband talking and he said, what are you guys talking about? And I said, and I slid my phone across the counter at my kid. And he looked at the phone and he dropped his head and he said, I'm going to bed. And I thought, this is the nation we're building and fostering for our kids and our future. And I didn't mention anything to him about the fact that I had made the decision to do it. My husband went back downstairs in the basement and flipped on the news and I stood there in, the, in my kitchen and I had two pieces of mail waiting for me in my kitchen. One was in a do not bend envelope and one was in a regular letter size envelope and the do not bend envelope was my printed hard copy of my Michigan State University master's diploma. And the other was a letter from Representative Lisa McLean in response to my automated response through Moms Demand Action. And she's telling me how she's going to work hard to protect people's Second Amendment rights in her district. And she will do everything in her power to keep firearms out of the hands of criminals. And I was like, what is the universe telling me? Um, and I was like, I have to do this. And then four days later, um, the company that I worked for at the time laid off 20 people. And I happened to be one of them. So I called up my consultants and my people and I said, are you sure you still want me as a candidate? And they said, we want you more than ever now. You just experience profits over people. And I was like, yep. okay. And now I run for Congress full time um, with a much more broad platform, but this was my catalyst. And yeah. I can't explain to people what activated inside of me, which I've never experienced before. Um, running for office became my activism. I met you wonderful, amazing, influential, intelligent ladies and um, there's no looking back now. That's and we're all the better for it. You because you know what? I will say this for anyone listening. Um, speaking of represent uh Congresswoman Slotkin, um, a couple years ago, long before I met you guys, um, as a community organizer myself, um, I worked on a project here in Holly, Michigan, where I live. Um, and I found out that our community, um, like all of our, and this is probably common throughout the country, but Many of our street names, our parks, our schools, our, you know, built civic buildings are all named after men. And I realized after working with our Holly Historical Society, and I was, I heard a story one night by a friend of mine about all these women who had actually built our community. And I was like, why 
are none of our streets named after these people? Why? Like, th like I'm not talking about, oh, they fed the hungry. I'm talking like built the community. Our entire economic development was like all of our businesses are thriving today because of women who took over, whether they started them or took over during the war World War II and, and like held down the fort, you know, like, like riveters. And, and I said, well, we have nothing. And so we, I, created this project for the Holly Women's Memorial, which Emily has actually come out and got to see. Um, it's just a little dilapidated space in Waterworks Park here in Holly, but it was actually the home of our, our water build, like our Waterworks building, and it had fallen into disrepair. So that was my first time bringing people, every business owner, people that absolutely couldn't stand anything I stood for. Like we brought everyone from every walk of life together. We raised the money. We got it done. We rehabbed that space. And now it overlooks the Shiawassee River. And I just found out from my daughter this week, it is also some kind of point thing on the Pokemon Go. I don't know what that <laughs> means, but um, someone has designated it a Pokemon Go spot. And I love that children are going to this spot as a Pokemon Go spot. And they're actually, it's, it's nothing crazy, but it's enough to go, what is this space? Mm -hmm. And they get to recognize the incredible, like, I think there's like over a hundred women like recognized on this huge display and a bench. And, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, they're not forgotten. And I, I think about the episode of this thing as women leading the way and nine times out of 10, it, it's usually from a point of you have to tragedy, pain, it's your children, something. And that is, that is, I'm not going to say women are better than men, but we are, we are different than we're just different. We have a different skill set and a different muscle to fat ratio. We've got a different brain. Like we were biologically created to be nurturers and we have a a skill set to multitask and just take on, we can juggle 47 things at one time and actually get most of them done well. That's, that's an amazing feat. So there's nothing more powerful than a woman. Like if you can't figure out how to get a problem solved, call a woman, we'll figure this thing out real quick. And so I, I really quick want to kind of end on representative uh, Slotkin because she actually came, she was our congressperson at the time and her family has roots here in Holly. Um, she came and spoke um, and was also recognized um, um, as one of the only few women who've ever served in Congress for our district. But she she told me something at that time that there was a statistic that women have to be asked seven times to run for office to do it. And strangely, I had never thought about running for office that I mean, other than the library, keeping it in my community, I wasn't trying to run for anything big. And the first day that someone, I only ran because someone asked me to, and I said no six times. And on the seventh time, um, our, probably all of our mutual friend, uh, my friend, Carolyn Krause in the County there, uh, called me up and said, I heard this rumor that like everyone, all these people I know have asked you to run and you've said no. And I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a community activist. I'm not a politician. She goes, so what you have all this, the chops to do this. And you, and you have your finger on the pulse of your community. And I thought, oh, okay. And it was just as simple as, okay, I'll do that. And I, I hung up the phone with her and she called our friend, Laura, who 
were at the time worked for representative slock and she's since retired and then laura called me and i was like oh my god you have to call congresswoman slocken right now like <laughs> right now you have to tell her that i was asked seven times to run and and it her statistics were not wrong um i didn't realize i had been asked seven times you know what i mean and so when you think about that um i don't think it's a confidence issue i think it is just how do we make room how do we move the chess pieces to be able to care for ourselves our children our families our neighbors our communities and now 790,000 people like that's like the weight of the world on your shoulders and I think that's something that um, commands a lot of respect to not only be vulnerable to run for the office but the weight of people so many different people who count on you to represent them with their safety their food insecurity their fine you know their economic vitality like all of these things rely you know these are the seats you're running for and that's a lot to take on because shadia you have built successful businesses your children are grown you could be buying a cottage up north and be like peace out homies i gotta go you know, i'm ready I'm to retire if i win i'll be taking a huge pay cut <laughs> <laughs> i know and well and that's another thing and emily you and i talked about that previously as well um, from going from, you know, corporate America to running for an office, uh, everybody thinks like you get some kind of special wealth from this. <laughs> and, well, you can if you're corrupt, but not from the position itself. You know what I mean? And so it's truly you have to have a heart for service. And I I both of you have such incredible personal stories, but these are the reasons why you should want to sow those seeds and like run for the office and help others right because that's the reason that's the right reasons to run and so um you don't have to do it you didn't need to do it like financially or anything like that it's truly from your lived experience and honestly both of you have experienced trauma and you either sit with your trauma or you find a way to cope and and there, what is that saying like you, there's only one way out and that's through and you have to go through it and then the question is what do you do with what you've learned and your gifts that you've been blessed with and i just watch both of you taking all of that and leading the way like you are the you are you are the i hope i can build a women's memorial with y'all's names on it someday how about that i'll come find your community so <laughs> Um, Shadia, do you, uh, as we close out this episode, um, is there any parting, I guess, thoughts or like, is there, I'm going to, I'm buying new tennis shoes to come help knock doors for both of you here after the winter. So, um, you might see me in a say what t-shirt with buttons on it. Love it. We might do a, some Facebook live or something from there, but, um. Do you have any ending ending thoughts? And I do want people to be able to go and find out more about you. So will you tell people at least your, both of you again, your, um, like, I guess your websites or where they can learn more or if they want to maybe get you for a speaking engagement or a debate or something to, to, to share your stories with more people? You know, I, first I want to thank you for having us. Um, but I also want people to know how grateful I am 
to be a citizen of this great country and how lucky I am to be a citizen of this great country. I want people to have pride in the fact that they're American because we have a lot to be proud of. We're not perfect. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we have a lot to be proud of. And I want also to tell people that somebody has to do it. Somebody has to run for office. And if you have the abilities, you should step up and do it. Because if it's not you, who else is it going to be? VoteMartini.com. Go vote for her. She's amazing. <laughs> I just love you. You're so inspiring to me, Shadia. I just love you. Emily, what's your website? Come on. Um, Tell us where we can find you besides knocking doors and driving all over the county. So I'm um, at Emily, E-M-I-L-Y, 4-F-O-R, Michigan.com. Um, you can volunteer. Um, you can learn about me. You can... Um, of course, help us get there by the hard part, which is uh, donating. But I want to agree with Shadia that um, if you feel that your story matters and if you want to help and serve, just do it. Just run for something. And I think there's actually a website or a book that says just run for something. Um, but I think it's interesting, and I remember Shadia saying during her time that um, her son kept saying, this isn't normal, mom. And that resonated with me because it's not normal that we're making our kids lock down. And it's not normal that we are changing, literally changing the chemistry of their brain by making them lock down. Um, so we are creating um, an environment where these children are living in heightened fight or flight. So mm -hmm. we need to change um, what we're doing for our kids. And yes, this is um, the greatest country in the world and we should be proud to be Americans, but we should also do everything we can for each other, recognize the humanity in each other and do what's best to keep each other safe. Um, and that means it takes a village. So I think we need to get back to neighboring, connect with each other on a human level and lift each other up and run for something. And on that note, Jason, my beloved friend and producer over there, um, we've got just a, about a minute left here. Do you, uh, you've been listening and pushing all the buttons and being the techie guy. Do you have any closing thoughts uh, or have we overwhelmed I mean, you with the power no. of reality? <laughs> Overwhelming, no. Like I, I expressed my my personal thoughts and feelings with Shadia during the break. Emily, I'll do it with you on the air. I need to talk to you. Yeah. And I need to talk to you because this the your ties to the Oxford tragedy is something that hits very, 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 very close to home with me because... And I can't, I don't want to go into too much detail, but um, I am very close to a target student that was on the list and she has been muted and she needs her story told. 
So the fact that you came on here today and that is your tie to this, like I'm a sign guy, right? So like everything happens for a reason. You came across my radar at this point, at this time for a reason. And I really, really would like the opportunity to talk with you more about this off air. Absolutely. Uh, with that being said, um, your story is just as inspiring and motivating as Shadia's, even though they're on, you know, on opposite spectrums here. Uh, both of you ladies just blew me away today. And I'll kind of reiterate what, what I said during the break. It was, I've talked to a lot of people. I've heard a lot of stories. Today's recording session was among the most impactful that I've ever had the privilege. And that's what it is. The privilege of sitting here and just listening. So I, I appreciate the both of you for, for taking time out of your extremely busy schedules and being a part of Kristen's show, being a part of the network. And uh, anything that I can do personally to help either one of you, I'm all in. Just let me know. Thank you so much, yes. Jason. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Kristen. Oh, you know, thank you. So much to us. Yes. I just, I just love you. I, I'm sorry. It's a love fest show today. I, <laughs> it's, I, my heart is so full because I just, I'm so blessed in my life to be a part of a network of so many incredible people, particularly women, but definitely people, um, Jason included. Um, so I will let you know, we are, um, when this episode is over, um, and when it drops on the air, we're going to have a mini bonus episode that will be kind of a follow up to this. And my all of our, she's a mutual friend of all of ours, but our friend Sky, who is uh, with Everytown USA, um, which is a nonprofit that works to prevent gun violence, is going to be doing a bonus follow up episode to talk about um, the very non it's 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 a 501c3. It's nonpartisan. It's it's stuff that everyone can relate to but we're going to talk about how how do we work toward fixing that and having those difficult conversations um but obviously because you are both political candidates um we can't have um, a group discussion with folks representing nonprofits, uh, obviously so we decided to do a bonus follow-up episode so we'll uh, be getting on here with her soon uh, another great inspiring woman leading the way um, so I really thank everyone for being here today and thank you for tuning in to say what, uh, stories that inspire, heal and unite. That's the intention. So we will see you on the next episode and thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you.